Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Today, we are hearing a message from our series entitled, Do Unto Others. This series delves into God's call for justice and peace and invites you to be His hands and feet in a hurting world. Amen. Would you help me welcome our internet audience one more time. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we are um, finishing up our series on Do Unto Others. Everybody say, Do Unto Others. This will be part six of that. I would encourage you to kind of uh, go back. We have a number of ways you can go back and stay familiar with this because this is part of what God wants for our lives. I'm starting a brand new series next week called When Life Gives You Lemons. And um, it, it's a, maybe a cutesy title, but it's real deal bottom line things for us because what happens if you get a bad phone call, you get um, bad news, something goes south for you? What do you do? Do you know what to do? And um, so we're going to be looking at those kind of things, not in anticipation, um, but in preparation um, so that we're just ready. I I pray and believe every day. uh, Let me rephrase that. I do not believe for every day some bad stuff to happen for me or you. We pray against that. Try to walk in wisdom, stay in the light so that those things don't happen to you. But um, as you know, here's the reality. We're not yet in heaven. We're still in Florida, okay? So stuff still happens, and, and God has given us recourse. He's given us um, help, and so do you know what to do? And further than that, if, if nothing ever happened uh, that went south for you, are you in a place where you could help others? Do you know what to do to help others if they got bad news, had something happen in their life, their family? And so that's what that's about, and I really, really encourage you to come be with us um, the next few weeks as we look at When Life Gives You Lemons. All right, let's dive right in this morning. You ready for the word today? Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Jesus said, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I want you to remember this, the law and the prophets. John, if you can boost me just a little bit, I feel like I'm pushing. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Remember that, okay? Because we're going to come back to something related to that. Um, what he is saying is this, is, this is the essence, this is the sum of the law and the prophets, this kind of approach to life and to people. And so whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Um, perhaps a little more shallow interpretation of that would be, hey, be nice to other people and then they'll be nice to you. Now that's good and that works and that's a law of sowing and reaping, but there's something deeper, something higher that goes with this. And in essence, this is telling us this is how to find how you should treat other people. This is how you find what is the heart of God towards others with his active goodness and mercy. And in essence, it's this. When you see somebody in need, in a situation, in pain, in trauma, this is what you do. Whatever you want men to do to you. What if I were them? What if I were in their shoes? What would I want somebody to do? How would I want somebody to respond, react to me if I was in that situation? I think when you do that, rather than I'll be nice so they'll be nice. No, I think it's a little further. Just 
point blank, if nobody ever paid me back, if nobody ever did good turns back to me, what is the behavior that God would want? What did the law and the prophets put forward for us is that we're to treat people with active goodness and, and mercy. Amen. Now, we began this series um, six weeks ago with a couple of questions, and I want to go back and visit those questions again. They're kind of rhetorical, but I want us to zero in on these. First one is this one. God, what do you want for the church in these days? What do you want for the church in these days? Would you, would you read that with me this morning? God, what do you want for the church in these days? Now, let's take it and uh, personalize it a little bit more and, and make it us here. God, what do you want for me in these days? Go ahead and, and read that with me. God, what do you want for me in these days? We could even say, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from us as the church in these days? I think to find the answer to this, of course, we would go to God's word, okay? We would go to God's word. And um, the analysis of Jewish rabbis of the law would be that there are 613 precepts we need to follow. Let's close in prayer. We would need a lot of prayer just to make that happen, wouldn't we? 613 precepts. We find scripture boils it down a little bit further. And as you look at it, you would find that, uh, for example, in Psalm 15, it's reduced down to about 11. How many of you know 11 is better than 613? You know, kind of categorizing, bringing it down. Then in Isaiah 33, it brings it on down to 6. And then we bring it on a little further down and I think boil it down to about its essence in um, Micah. Chapter 6, verse 8, we're down to about 3. Let's look here. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? So what was our question? God, what do you want for the church? What do you want for us in these days? What the Lord requires of us but to, and here they are, kind of a three-in-one, do justly and to love mercy and to what? To walk humbly with your God. And so it's to, to do justly, to love mercy And to walk humbly with your God. I also believe this, that if you will do justly and love mercy, you will be found to be walking humbly with your God. You know, I watched yesterday with great excitement just the energy of all the people, the serve projects. This is the thing. They were humble and joyful. What a great combination. Humble and joyful. It's not like, look at us doing great things for the kingdom of God. It was was humble, joyful people. And I think that's what God wants, to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I'm glad that gets boiled down a little bit. Amen. Y'all here? Okay. What do we need to do? Sing good songs for y'all? That was amazing this morning. Okay. There was a time where uh, uh, a lawyer came to Jesus, and he was asking him questions. He was really testing Jesus, trying to trip him up a little bit. And he was wanting to find, so all the law, all the precepts, um, what do we do with this? What, what is the bottom line? What is the greatest of these? And Jesus answers him in Matthew 22. He says this, uh, and the guy's asking him, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? You know, with awareness that there's so much. Jesus goes on to say, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it in great importance. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Watch this. On these two commandments hang all the what? 
the law and the prophets. Remember, I had you kind of mark that in your mind, the law and the prophets. Everything that God has put forward hangs on the law and the prophets. This is the fulfillment of, this is the main thing, these two hooks, so to speak, of the reality is that we would love God with all that we are and that we would seek to please him, love him, and help people, love people. And that all boils down into this do unto others idea here. Now, God cares deeply. Get this. If, if we love God, we obey God. Y'all. If we love God, we obey God. And we find from God's word here uh, and the character of God and the history of God, God cares deeply for people in trouble. God cares deeply for people that are hurting, for the orphan, for the widow. He talks about the fatherless and those that are outcasts, those that are in need, those that are wounded, people that are vulnerable. God cares deeply. And if we go back to our questions then, we'll find also that God is calling us to care deeply as well. And that's all found in the verses that we've already looked at, that that is the heart of God. And if that's the heart of God, if that's important to God, that must also be important to us. When we care deeply for others, God style, kingdom style, then we we will show them active goodness and mercy. I want you to say that with me. Active goodness and mercy. That's what has to come out of our life. Active goodness and mercy. God doesn't just care in the sense that he thinks about and feels something. God cares through active goodness and mercy. We too should show active goodness and mercy to the people that are around us. If you'll remember from previous um, in this series, compassion feels the need and mercy fills the need. Now in the case of the Good Samaritan, It said that he had compassion upon him. The guy that had been robbed, beat, stripped naked, left for dead. He had compassion. Whereas the priest and the Levite closed their hearts and didn't allow that compassion to come. So compassion feels it. And then Jesus afterwards said, which one of these showed mercy? And and mercy fills the need. Now get this. Compassion feels it. Mercy fills it. You won't always be able to fill the need, but you should always feel the need. You've got to keep your heart open. You've got to keep your Don't turn a blind eye and close, a, close an ear and close your heart, even though you can't help somebody. Let the love in the heart, the, the, the love and heart of God flow through your heart. Even though I can't do anything to help a certain need situation, we all should feel it. That's evidence of God's love in, in our hearts. Do y'all follow that? I'm going I'm to go ahead and tell you, I need y'all to perk up just, just a little bit. Okay? And, uh, because we have good things. And listen, I already heard this message. A couple times. All right, here we go. Um, this plays out. In, um, there's a Latin phrase in theology called the missio dei. means the mission of God. And we're to be a part of the mission of God. There's an overarching narrative of what God wants to do. Sometimes we just look at a piece and a piece. And God has this whole storyline. And two big parts of the missio dei, the, 
the mission of God involves what we would call proclamation and then also compassion. Um, Other ways that we could say it are um, word and deed, evangelism and justice. And typically they're in that order, just as far as like proclamation and then compassion. But I want to suggest to you today, and I think it will help us today, if we reverse the order. I think to reverse the order is in order for us. And so instead of proclamation and compassion, instead of word and deed, why don't we reverse that and make it deed and word, you'll see where we're going in a moment, and compassion and then proclamation. So maybe we could just call it this, show and tell. Everybody say show and tell. Instead of just tell and then maybe show, I think we should definitely show and then perhaps get the opportunity to tell. Um, when I was in elementary school, one of my favorite days of school was show and tell. I mean, when I knew it was show and tell, and like some, some mornings we'd get ready for school, and I remember, oh, oh, today is show and tell. I'd just look for anything. I think it was the early pastor gift in me that I wanted to get up and share with the group. You know, I don't, I don't know. But I can remember one day... Uh, we were getting ready for school, and my brother and I found these giant grasshoppers. And uh, my brother told me they were locusts, and so I said, they're locusts. And I put them in a big Folgers coffee can. Do you all even remember those? I know some of you all are so young, all you know is the little sweet little Keurig cups, you know. But <laughs> this big industrial-sized coffee can, I remember the smell of that. It had like a yellow lid that you, you snapped down on, you know. And so I got our locusts and I put in there, these, these puppies are going to show and tell. And in order for them to not be shocked, I put them in the most realistic environment, just like what they're used to. I put a stick in there and the little pieces of grass. They couldn't even tell the difference. You know, they <laughs> took a screwdriver, poked some holes in the top, took that thing to school. People said, what do you got? Not till show and tell. <laughs> well, the thing I didn't think all the way through is it's called show and tell and you can't see through that can so needless to say long story short I took three I came home with one okay because when you got to pop that thing open and and show people we lost a couple and then I have to bear my soul to you this morning too Um, we lived in a trailer park most of my time growing up a couple different trailer parks and there's nothing wrong with trailer park but there was something wrong with our trailer park and a um, couple lots down from us, they were um, putting in a new septic tank and drain field. So any work that was going on, you know, as a little kid, I had to go watch it, you know, get it up close. So I watched. And I saw that for the drain field, they had these very, very porous rocks that uh, would be a, a part of all that. And I don't know, brainchild, it just kind of struck me. I thought, these look like moon rocks. And so... Um, Apollo 11 had just landed recently. So I put some moon rocks in a little Ziploc bag, went to school, stood up in front of class, told him I've got an uncle that works for NASA, just got these things. No, you can't touch them. So I got to take them back to my uncle and he's going to put them in a museum. Okay, but I had. So my classmates were amazed. My teacher was not amused. Y'all ever had that teacher look come your way? Yeah. 
Thankfully, she never said anything about it. But if you're, if you're watching online, I'm sorry. So, so, but let's get to real deal show and, and tell here. There's something that needs to happen in our day that we first show so that we can then tell. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8 in the New Living. But God showed, other translations say he demonstrated. He showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And Christ came and brought to us and told to us and proclaimed to us the good news. And so I think we first show and then we can tell. In our day, and this will be a shock to some of y'all, in our day, Christianity is becoming more and more marginalized. In our day, um, the climate of our culture, it's, and, and so many voices in the world today, it's, it's as if we almost need to earn the right to be heard. Um, we've got to somehow build a bridge. We must somehow show that we're credible. We must somehow create an opening in order to be heard. And I think one of the best ways you can do that is not so much insist on being heard and telling, but rather to, first of all, show. Show what? Show active goodness and mercy. Show that there's a kingdom way to live that is authentically part of us and that we show people, first of all, by our lives through active goodness and mercy. This is the strategy of many missions organizations, many compassion ministries. Notice, if you will, in the news, when there's a disaster, when there's a tragedy, the first groups on the scene almost always are faith-based groups. You're going to find um, World Vision. You're going to find Samaritan's Purse, the roots of Red Cross, Mercy Ships, and on and on and on. You're going to find that some of the first groups in are faith-based. And, and they're there because that's what they do. That's their heart is to go and to show the love of God. To show. Everybody say show. show. And I think that we need to show before we just tell. Sometimes and perhaps too often historically, there have been those in the name of the church, in the name of Christianity, that just kind of barge in and blast people with a bullhorn or something. Just blast people with our message. And sometimes there's not an opening, uh, and especially I think more and more in our day, we just don't have the opening, the equity, the credibility, the place to just go blast this good news message into people's lives. I think you have to create a bridge. And the way that we do that is first of all, show. Not tell first. I think there's occasions where you tell. I've been at hospital beds before and I said, Buddy, I got no time to show you anything. I got to tell you. You know, Jude talks about some of you, you snatch them out of the fire almost. But I think uh, ordinarily in our life, as a pattern in our life, what we have to do is, is to show. Say it again, show. We have to show a pattern of genuine, authentic uh, goodness and mercy in the lives of others rather than just barging in with our message. I can remember years ago on the campus of Florida State, cutting across the, the campus, and there was a guy in this kind of open square area standing on a box preaching. He wasn't preaching. He was judging every person that went by and using Scripture, and it just irritated me to no end that he was misrepresenting the kingdom of God. All he, showed, he didn't show compassion. He didn't show mercy. He didn't show goodness. He just showed judgment that was not his to give and consequently then misconstrues God's word, misrepresents the kingdom of God, 
And I think we do better. I think it's wiser. I think it's more effective that we actually pay attention to what we show first. And that will create an opening to be able to tell later. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. I believe also that our show and tell must match. It must match. What we show, what we live, and what we tell, they must match if we are to be believed. When you communicate, all of us, when you communicate, you have verbal communication and you have nonverbal communication. And if your nonverbal and your verbal do not jive, if, they do not, if they're not in sync with each other, people are going to believe the nonverbal. So if I stood up here with a sad face and slumped posture and just angry and, you know, and I told you about the joy of the Lord and the peace of God and the victory of God and how he's given me new life and changed my life, and I'm just this grumpy old deep sea fish or something, <laughs> creature from the deep, I guess so you're not going to believe what I said. You're not going to believe the message. You won't believe that what I told you because of the nonverbs, because of what I showed you. And so I think our life must show. Say it again, show. We've got to make sure that it shows. It's been said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Show. <laughs> if your neighbor just said show, elbow and tell them, So anyway, I had these locusts in this can. And, no. All right. Speaking of show, our show cannot just be for show. This has to be genuine, out of our hearts, showing active goodness and mercy in our lives. Can I get an amen on that? This in the end, in this great mission of God, Um, compassion, proclamation, show, and tell are both very, very important, but they're not equal. They're not equal. Any, how many of you know you can can fake just about anything for a little bit? You know, some people will get in trouble for insurance fraud because they, oh, I threw my back, hurt my leg. I mean, you know, you can only fake that too long. And then they're going to see you bowling. (laughs) Oh, it helps me. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I could talk in a British accent for a little while, you know. But after about two sentences, you'll go, eh, he's from Leesburg. So, So, anybody, any good-hearted, and I don't even think you have to be good-hearted. You could do it for temporary. Any good-hearted group or people could show compassion for a little while. I think any group or person could help somebody in need, could do justice, to, they could render aid. But get this, the most unique and radical ministry that can happen happens with proclamation. See, just about any group or person, get this, can be good, can help out, can render aid, can show some, some form of compassion. But the most radical thing that can happen in a person's life happens in conjunction with proclamation. That someone pro- would proclaim, tell God's good news 
about God's love and God's forgiveness and about eternal life and about help for this life. But see, what we have to do is kind of pave the way for that with show and tell. But proclamation is uniquely Christian. No one else can make the offer. No one else can offer the invitation for eternal life. Uh, Not even our good works bring somebody to that point. It's proclamation that has to happen. So while we must have show and we must have tell, they're both important. They're not equal. And I think first of all what needs to happen so that we can pave the way, so we can build the bridge to be able to share this proclamation, to tell the good news is we live this life of active goodness and mercy. Are are y'all following me? Bob your head, do something. Okay. But this is uniquely Christian. Nobody else there's, there's no non-Christian group telling people how to get to heaven. Not telling them how to, you know, have their sins forgiven. It's uniquely belongs here. And, and then further get this, spiritual is more important than physical. And where com- compassion works, you're helping with physical needs, natural, material things. You're, you're helping there, but spiritual trumps physical. And eternal Eternal is greater than temporal. And so what we must do, we've been so focused over church history on tell, 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 tell. And sometimes the the window is up, the door is locked, the shutter is thrown, the curtains are pulled, and they're covering their ears. And somehow we've got to do, we've got to show by a genuine, consistent life of active, active goodness and mercy that opens a person up so that they can hear what we have to say. Is this making sense to you today? And get this, there's nothing more loving, nothing more profound, nothing more radical than to be able to lead somebody to a saving faith in God through Jesus Christ. There's nothing that changes a life like that. You can feed a belly, you can wash a car, you can mow a lawn, you can pay a bill, you can do, you can help somebody up, you can open a door, you can do, you can do a million other things, but there's nothing more loving, there's nothing more profound, there's nothing more, more sacred and radical than being able to seed, water, share with somebody and help them to bring them across that faith line to saving faith in God through Jesus Christ. That should excite y'all. Y'all need to watch more Prices Right or something. Yeah. Okay. But get this. A life changes. A life changes. Eternal life comes in. A new nature. A, a new desire. A new purpose. New help. Help for this life and hope for the future. A literal transfer out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Forgiveness of sins and peace and purpose and and hope, all of those come not just by compassion, but by proclamation. And we want to make sure that both of those happen in people's lives. Can I get an amen to that? We must all grow. We must all grow and improve, I think you'll agree, in our show and in our tell. And let me remind you that show is not put on, okay? Show is what we demonstrate out of our life. Get this again, active goodness and mercy. We all can grow and improve in our show. We all can grow and improve. Come on, come on, come on. Can we? And we also must grow and improve in our tell. 
What would you do? What would you do if you're, you know, helping somebody out and they, and they just tell you, what must I do to be saved? And you go, uh, uh, let me call the church. <laughs> you know, what if you had opportunity to tell, to share, to proclaim? You know, we've got to grow and improve in this area. We've got to impro- grow and improve in deed and in word. And we must understand this, that church, and if you were here last week, you understand this, little C church, that's this. The church must never abandon its main purpose. And that's to equip you for the work of ministry, to help you to grow, to learn, to to mature in the things of God. So that when you leave here and you are big C church, that you're out there to show and to tell. Remember last week I told you the church... Little C Church here, building us. Church is not a cruise ship. We're an aircraft carrier. And so what do you do? You come to church, and then you go be church. The aircraft carrier is to launch you, and then to land you. And launch you, and then to land you. Why? So that you can grow and improve in your show and in your tell. That's what's happening right now. Hopefully your hearts are being stirred. Hopefully you're thinking about this. Hopefully God's saying and doing something in you so that you realize if that's important to God, it's important to me. And when I go out of here, I'm going to be looking for opportunity to first of all show. Don't you sit down all grumpy at lunch somewhere and start proclaiming your gospel to everybody. Just just hush till you can learn to tip good and be kind and, and do things like that. Okay? Just saying. But the church cannot abandon its main purpose and we've got to go meet every need. We've got to go meet every need. We've got to go meet every need. No, we can't, but you can. You can. And so if we keep in mind, launching, landing. Launching, landing. That's what happens here to help you to grow and improve and to mature and be fully equipped for work of ministry so you can go show and tell. Amen? Amen. Let me finish up with this today. And I want to separate all this out. It goes together, show and tell. Everybody say show and tell. But yet it stands alone. I think if we are citizens of the kingdom of God, if we are the children of God, to go and show active goodness and mercy, look at me for this. It's just what we do. Period. Whether or not anybody noticed Whether or not anybody ever paid us back or a good turn came back to us, it's just what we do. We're viral agents for the kingdom of God to pass out and distribute all over the place where you work, where you shop, where you play, where you go, where all the places that you go. We are viral agents to just give a sample, a taste, a a preview of the coming kingdom of God. God just wants it scattered just all over the place. And so what do you and I do? It's just what we do. We just go out and show active goodness and mercy, period. And that's a statement. End of statement. But sometimes that statement will create a question. Because as you and I go showing active goodness and mercy... Statement, period. It will create a question, and the question will be this. Why why were you good to me? Why do you even care about me? Why are you so kind? Why were you generous toward, 
toward them. It'll create questions. And you know what the questions then make room for? The tell. And it's at that point that you and I have got to be ready. Live out showing. And then be ready to tell. And I think show makes way for tell. But whether or not with a person or group you ever get to tell, will you forever show? You know, we've, we've seen this before that you and I are to leave and we're to be salt and light and what? Sugar. Now, if you're looking for that in the Bible, it's not there. I added that one in because I was tired of grumpy Christians. So go be salt, light, and sugar so that maybe those around you will taste and see that the Lord is good, that the Lord is good. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all? Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MBC Ocala.